0: The January 6th committee shows just how fraudulent they actually are. The consequences of hot take culture. And what's the great reset angle to the Hunter Biden story? I believe there is one there. I'll tell you what it is. You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Top story of the day is the thing that none of us have been waiting for, but we're all going to be forced to look at on television and the internet and social media. Yet another January 6th hearing. With the committee's focus today being on that of the role extremists played on that fateful day of the now infamous erection. Insurrection, excuse me. I got a little bit ahead of myself. We won't be talking about Hunter Biden again until after this story. Okay, the January 6th insurrection. By the way, please head over to the Propaganda Reports rumble page and check out a newly published January 6th hearing satire video that was created by a friend and listener of the show and features an excellent Brian Stelter potato. Now back to the news. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th, quote, attack on the U.S. Capitol will be holding another public hearing today where, according to aides to the committee... They will focus on the role of the pro-Trump conspiracy theory known as QAnon, as well as the role of extremist groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. I love how they just presume in their reporting that these are extremist groups, that everyone in both of these groups is an extremist, the same way that they presume that an attempted coup took place on January 6th, that those are assumptions that are so universally agreed upon that they need no further explanation nor any supporting evidence. This is how they get to the whole domestic terror classification with stuff like this. Anyway, today's live hearing begins at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is a terrible time because I believe that's when Days of Our Lives comes on. You better have some bombshells if you want people to turn off Days of Our Lives and go watch Adam Schiff be creepy for three hours. Here's committee member Jamie Raskin talking about the subject of today's hearing and revealing just how weak the actual testimony will be. Who will we have in the hearing room as live witnesses? Well,
1: um, one of the things that people are going to learn is the fundamental importance of a meeting that took place in the White House uh, on December the 18th. And uh, on that day, the group of lawyers, of outside lawyers who've been denominated Team Crazy by people uh, in and around the White House, uh, came in. Uh, to try to urge several new courses of action, including the seizure of voting machines around the country. Um, And so some of the people involved in that uh, were Sidney Powell. um, Rudy Giuliani was around uh, for part of that discussion. Michael Flynn was around for that. Uh, But against this team crazy were an inside group of lawyers who essentially Wanted the president at that point to acknowledge that he had lost the election, uh, and were far more willing to accept uh, the reality of his defeat at that point. So, so there will be there will be other uh, witnesses coming. Um, witnesses who are at the December 18th, 2020 meeting. Uh, Firsthand witnesses. No, no, there will be testimony about that. Uh, that th- there will be other kinds of evidence submitted about that. But there will be other witnesses, and I'm afraid I'm not
0: authorized to disclose who those witnesses are at this point. If anyone's authorized, it's you. Okay, so we're going to learn the fundamental importance of a Team Crazy meeting that took place where they discussed, allegedly, the seizure of voting machines. And what evidence is going to inform us about this? People involved in the meeting? No, that's not how this works. We're going to learn all about this wild-eyed plan from Team Crazy from other kinds of evidence and from unnamed witnesses who weren't there. Once again, we have witnesses who were not there. They saw nothing. They heard nothing. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Something that's masquerading as a trial pretends to be in the pursuit of truth and justice where all of the relevant bombshell evidence presented is hearsay from second-hand witnesses at best and where the damning part about what the hearsay claims is something that didn't even happen. Voting machines did not get seized. And people take this stuff seriously. I mean, these hearings couldn't be more of a clown show if all nine committee members were floating naked in a sensory deprivation tank smoking crack. And while he could not say who was going to be testifying today or testified today, depending on when you're listening to this. We do now know the name of today's star witness. It's a doozy. It's a guy named Jason Van Tatenhoove, who describes himself as a former propagandist for the Oath Keepers. Wow, that could actually be a pretty good get, right? Possibly, if he were actually at the Capitol on January 6th, and if he hadn't stopped working for the Oath Keepers back in 2016. That's right. The star witness wasn't at the Capitol and hasn't worked for the Oath Keepers in six years. Maybe they'll bring in some of the Oath Keepers' former grade school classmates to testify next week. That will be very brave of them as well. And that's not all about this guy. This dude, I guess it's a dude, looks like a dude, according to ABC News, celebrated Pride Month by showing off his latest paintings, which he calls a whole body of work using trans-only models. How woke, how brave, how noble. Your star witness today is a guy who had a cup of coffee with the Oath Keeper six years ago before starting his collection of trans-only paintings. Why would they even tell people that? That instantly implies that there's going to be an agenda there. They need him to seem like he still is like-minded as the Oath Keepers, so he has a shred of credibility that he just doesn't believe in what they did, but they just come out with him painting trans models. So, to recap the type of evidentiary hearing that we're getting today based on what committee members themselves and their confirmed witnesses have said, live testimony from no one who saw or heard anything themselves, more hearsay and leaps of logic, and a star witness who will only paint people who switch genders. No one is turning off days of our lives for that. But what they would turn it off for is Steve Bannon testifying live. Now that would be a ratings hit. And Bannon has offered the committee the opportunity to get the very thing that they've claimed they've wanted throughout this whole process. The eyes and ears of the American public. That's the whole reason they did a primetime hearing. They want people to watch. Well, enter Steve Bannon, Bannon told the committee over the weekend that he is now willing to testify and that ideally it would be at a public hearing. Bannon had previously refused to cooperate with a congressional subpoena, something that he set to go on trial for due to alleged criminal contempt charges later this month. But Bannon changed his tune after receiving a letter from Trump where Trump says, He is waiving executive privilege, something that the committee and federal prosecutors say that Bannon didn't have in regards to the January 6th event. And here's some of the letter that Trump wrote. It's a typical Trump like letter, and he probably didn't write it. Okay. Whoever is writing in Trump's voice, they get his voice now. It's pretty easy to write in Trump's voice. Goes a little bit like this Dear Steve, I write about the subpoena that you received in September 2021 from the illegally constituted unselect committee, the same group of people who created the Russia, Russia, Russia scam, impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the Mueller witch hunt, which ended in no collusion and other fake and never ending yarns and tales. Yada, yada, yada. Says he's waiving executive privilege and allows Bannon to testify truthfully and fairly as per the request of the unselect committee of political thugs and hacks who have allowed no due process, no cross examination, and no real Republican members or witnesses to be present or interviewed. It is a partisan kangaroo court, and he's right. It is. It absolutely is. You get the point. It's another one of Trump's trolling like letters. I'll put the full letter in the show notes if you want to look at the whole thing. But regardless of whether Bannon actually had any privilege or not, it doesn't matter. At least from the perspective of the committee, it shouldn't matter anyway. Bannon's in now. What a development, right? They finally get their guy after putting on a series of hearsay filled hearings that have been about as entertaining as a PBS British drama that have featured live testimony from people no one's heard of. The committee finally gets a big name witness, a guy who was in Trump's administration, who's a big Trump supporter and who they, the committee say, was involved in the planning of the whole insurrection, quote, insurrection. Steve Bannon is willing to come testify live on Capitol Hill. Now that, that's worth watching. That will get Americans to stop what they're doing and tune in. That would be a ratings hit. Heck, to see Bannon live in front of the January 6th committee, I bet Hunter Biden would even stop masturbating for five minutes to tune into that. So obviously... The committee made last-minute adjustments like they did with Hutchinson, and they're going to make this thing happen ASAP, right? Let's hear what committee member Zoe Lofgren, Democrat from California, had to say about the prospect of Steve Bannon, the guy whom they subpoenaed, agreeing to testify. Here she is talking to CNN's Jank Tapper of State of the Union.
1: Welcome back to State of the Union, I'm Jake Tapper. The January 6th committee just talked to one of the people who worked most closely with then President Trump around January 6th, the former White House counsel, Pat Cipollone. And we're learning this morning that Donald Trump is waiving claims of executive privilege for Steve Bannon, who's now indicating that he might be willing to testify in public. Joining me now is a member of the January 6th committee, Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California Congresswoman, uh, let me just start with that news about Steve Bannon that we're learning this morning. Will Bannon testify before your committee and what specific questions might you have for him? Well, we got the letter around midnight um, from his lawyer saying that he would uh, testify and we have wanted him to testify. So uh, the committee, of course, has not yet had a chance to discuss it, but I expect that we will be hearing from him. And there are many questions that we have for him. Would it be a public hearing or would it be behind closed doors? Ordinarily, we do um, depositions. Uh, You know, this goes on for hour after hour after hour. We want to get all
0: our questions answered and you can't do that in a live format. Wait, what? They can't do that in a live format, but they did with others. They can't with oh, unless they depose him for hours upon hours and hours, and they get video footage, and he agrees to follow the script and play along, like they force him to play along. So you have to do what they say, otherwise you're not going to be able to testify live. They're not fact-finding here. I love how they use that word "depose" as though this were a real legal process. It's not. They're actually bringing people in, sitting them down, telling them what to say, how to say it, and then afterwards they're hugging and crying with them on the floor of the Capitol. That's what they're doing. Don't they want Bannon to come in? Did they not subpoena him? Aren't they calling for anyone involved or information about anybody involved to come in? I mean, that's what committee member Jamie Raskin told Face the Nation on Sunday. He said that any Americans with information need to do their civic duty and come talk to them. Listen to this. What about Jenny Thomas, the spouse of Supreme Court Justice Clarence
1: Thomas? Her lawyer now says she doesn't want to appear. Will she ever appear before your committee? I mean, again, that's like with Steve Bannon. I mean, the vast majority of people, uh, young, middle-aged, old, Cassidy Hutchinson's a great example, have done their civic duty, have done their legal duty, have done their patriotic duty, and have said, I'm going to come forward and tell you everything I know and nothing but the truth. What's your in the message entire to truth. her if she's so, watching? To whom? Ginny Thomas. My message to her is my message to all Americans, which is, if you have relevant, information, if you are a material witness in any respect to these events, come forward and tell us what you know. Can you force her hand? Um, uh, Again, you know, I don't want to enter into questions and negotiations about specific witnesses. I mean, it's kind of a, a violation of our responsibility to the public. But we are telling everybody in the public, come forward and tell us what you know. Uh, And, you know, if you get a subpoena, I mean, a subpoena is not uh, an invitation to a Valentine's Day party. A subpoena is telling you the word subpoena means under penalty of law. You get a subpoena, you come in.
0: This entire thing is a violation of their responsibility to the public. Are you kidding me? And is Bannon not trying to do his civic duty like Hutchinson was too? I mean, he's saying that he will come in. Is he not trying to comply with the subpoena after the fact? Of course he might be doing it for those political reasons that they say that he's doing it, which is the problem here, apparently, because they say that Bannon could come in and assert his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, as Michael Flynn did on video, or that he may only do it if it's live on TV, or that he might as... MSNBC suggested in a panel just cause chaos. That's how the media has responded to Bannon's willingness to testify. And the Justice Department seems to agree. Apparently this is just a big ruse. Although he still said he would do it. So if they really wanted to get the ratings that they claimed they wanted to get, then they should just let him do it and see what happens. But they want to control absolutely every aspect of this thing like the way they've done it the entire time. They're not going to bring somebody in there unless they get recordings of them. That's how this works. So either you get hours and hours of recordings or you come in first, probably also getting hours of recordings, and you get coached very specifically in what to say, when to say it, what not to say, stuff like that. And then if you don't come in live, they just pull one of those clips from the hours of footage. So if they get hours and hours of you, they can find anything and use it out of context. Even if you don't answer any of their questions, like Michael Flynn, who pled the fifth in response to everything that they asked, him. at least as far as I've seen, what happens then is you get people like Don Lemon saying, here's video of Michael Flynn answering this question, answering that question, answering this question, and every time Flynn says, pleading the fifth. And then you cut back to Don Lemon, and Don Lemon just shakes his head, saying that's just really telling right there. That's re- what's it telling of. It's t- it's telling of a guy who didn't want to get in trouble and framed to make it look like he's lying because he already went through this. That's all it's telling of. Yeah, Michael Flynn's probably corrupt too, but that is all this is telling of. And I absolutely get why somebody like Steve Bannon would only want to testify live or not at all. Why they would not comply. Because then you can throw some unpredictability in there and they can't 100% control everything. And all they care about is narrative warfare, 100% controlling everything. That's all they care about. These people are clowns. They should all fold up and go Hunter Biden themselves. That's all I want them to do. And I am going to talk about Hunter Biden as well, as promised. But before that, I want to talk about hot take culture and the consequences of it. So we're all pressured all the time to have a hot take on everything, every single story that breaks. It's like we're all expected to instantly make our political position known. That's the nature of a society that is just politicized, where everything is a political issue. Lenin used politicizing, Vladimir Lenin, politicizing everything in society as a way to divide and rule because if everything is politicized, then you can use everything to divide and conquer the people. We're getting to that point now. So we see everyone taking these positions on controversial issues. We see it most right now with the big corporations making all of their political positions known on every story because they've been led to believe by Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset Fools that corporations can no longer be neutral. And we see it with individuals on social media especially. They actually use the corporations to kind of herd the public into one hot take position or the other through the divisive actions that then end up trending that these corporations take. But we've definitely all experienced this on social media. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, even the Nextdoor app, and we all see how everyone else is giving their take on a trending, controversial story. And then it makes all of us want to get in on the action and give our take as well. And then people start fighting in the comments and whatever. It can be a thrill. It can be fun. People mess with each other. They troll each other. And there is a little bit of that to it. But once people make their public positions known, people then defend that position against the enemy positions and the enemy attacks. Information warfare which then in turn causes people to harden into those initial positions that they took publicly. And oftentimes, the positions that have been taken have been determined not based on a really thorough analysis on whatever the issue is. Because if we want to get in on the game, on the warfare online, we have to come to a position quickly. So... It makes it difficult to go through all the details of all the stories, and the problem with this is that it can cause people to kind of behave in ways similar to the mainstream media pundits that most people despise, which is to come to quick conclusions about stories without much thought and then engage in simply fighting with the other side. And when these stories are made public, they're laid out that way with these obviously divisive handles. They're like red meat for the opposing sides, easily and quickly latch onto before looking around, above, beneath, behind, peeling the curtain back of that initial media framing to see what other aspects of the stories exist. It's like functional fixedness, which I've talked about this a good bit on the show, but I think it's just an interesting concept. Functional fixedness is when the function of a new item or object, we're told what that function is, what it's used for, which then in turn makes it more difficult for us to think of the Who knows how many other ways this object could function as. That initial framing of what the function is, is what becomes tied to that item and that word and the image of that item in our minds. They become just inseparable. Now, we can think of other ways to use it. Some are more obvious, but to really dig deep and think of a bunch of creative ways to to use an item, a bunch of different functions. We have to think critically. We have to think around that initial assignment in our minds that it is associated with. And this requires active, critical thought, cognitive energy, questions. We have to do all those things to see the item in a different light and thus discover the other ways the item might be used. And the news is the same way. They present it to us in this packaged form assigning the divisive angles to the uh, that appeal to the various sides, the hot takes if you will, and we can get around that. We can discover the finer more complicated points of stories and oftentimes people do, but the powers that be make it hard to do that because they emotionally charge the stories and they pull us in with a back and forth daily media battles and the online fights and the overwhelming us with information that if you stop and try to think for a second about what's really going on with a story and really try and process it, the story's past And there's another story slapping you in the face. Now, it can be fun sometimes to engage in that, but it can also cause us to fixate on those certain points, which they want us to fixate while over overlooking the others, which they don't want us to look at. So I guess I'm saying a lot of this actually for my own purposes, to remind myself that it's okay to not have a hot take on everything. It's okay not to give into that pressure. It's okay to step back and just ask questions instead. In fact, I want to do more of that. I used to do that all the freaking time. I love asking questions. And I think that sometimes, at least I know I do, you forget to ask questions when you're so focused on looking for the angle or something. When the angle comes from the questions that you ask, that's what draws out the angle that is outside of that initial framing. A good question can just change the way that you look and think about a story. It really can. I know we've all experienced that before. That's really where those aha moments happen. That's where the light bulb goes off is they're inspired by good questions. I love good questions. And the media, they hate good questions. They never ask good questions. They despise them. They don't want anybody asking them because good questions and critical thought are the enemy of what they try to do and what they want people to do. They do not want people asking questions. They don't want people thinking. It's funny, like, if someone were to ask you what your hot take was on some controversial story and you're like, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it yet. I don't have a position yet. I haven't thought it through. You could very well get a response, a shocked response of somebody like, huh, what, what do you mean you don't know? What is there to think about? I mean, that's the type of response people give you when you don't immediately have a conclusion about some controversial story that just came out. If it's politically divisive enough. And, and that's exactly the point. That's the way they want people not thinking. They want that mentality of, huh, what do you mean? What is there to think about? Well, there's a lot to think about. And the fact that they don't want us thinking about it, I think means we should think about it a little bit more. So not allowing ourselves to be pressured into hot take culture about everything can actually be like a form of resistance because if the issue matters to us, that then triggers us to engage in the questioning and critical thought process that they do not want us to engage in. I guess that's like my PSA message of the day. I don't know. That's just something I've been thinking about a lot I'm probably going to articulate that again at some point in the near future because I have some other thoughts on it. My mind just a little scrambled from all the Hunter Biden penis videos that I've been forced to look at because they're everywhere. They are absolutely everywhere right now, which is what I'm going to talk about in the final story of the day briefly. But before I get to that, I want to tell you what I'm going to talk about in the DMB XR, which is... How local news organizations are being co opted by the mainstream to deliver their messages through a more trusted voice, just like the Davos Great Reset people wanted. I've talked about this before, but I'm going to play some clips from the editor in chief of a couple of newspapers, one in Texas, one here in Georgia, that really illustrate this co option and how they are controlled. And I'm going to tell you exactly how you can tell if your local news organization has also been captured by the Google News Initiative. And if you want to get access to that content, go to patreon.com slash propagandareport and subscribe there. All the tiers get the exclusive XR content. You can also subscribe at rockfin.com slash propagandareport to get access to video podcast that we do live once a week or so and also propreport.locals.com if you want a more interactive experience. Each platform has different offerings. And the XR is going to be coming out later on today, this evening actually. So that's going to be a separate file for those of you who are listening on Rockfin Locals or Patreon. Look for that probably around dinner time. Oh and check out on the propaganda report rumble page the new video that I just posted. I think you're going to like it. All right, on to the final story of the day. Hunter Biden. I think there's something more going on here than meets the eye, obviously. And I'll tell you what that is. 4chan claims to have hacked Hunter Biden's iCloud account. And it appears that Hunter Biden never stops masturbating. Just video after video of him Chalking up his pool cue, white-knuckling his big pen, leading a five-finger insurrection on his candy stick. All this guy does is pleasure himself and either record it by himself or have some poor fool who's paid to watch him, his handler, do it for him. How many times have these poor Secret Service agents had to stand there holding his cell phone camera while Hunter stares into it strangely and whacks off. This has got to be the worst Secret Service assignment in history. There's a video of him sliding down a giant slide, butt naked, swimming over to the pool's edge, and talking to a female who's filming him. And as he approaches her, he just starts grabbing his junk and playing with it, Like his hands know no other place to go. Like a magnet. There's another video of him bizarrely walking on a beach. Wearing a bomber jacket and rambling about something. Only to see when he briefly flashes the camera down a bit. That he has nothing on from the waist down. He's only wearing a bomber jacket. And I don't know if this beach is private or public or nude. There's somebody who walks behind him at some point. I don't know if he's with that person. If they know him. But he then walks into some pool house or something with his tubing hanging out wearing the bomber jacket and he says something into the camera one week sober a week this this is him sober are you kidding me the guy literally has no self-control i don't know how they accomplish those photo ops at the White House. He cannot keep his hands off of himself. They must force some sort of vibrating mechanism on him, an artificial vagina or something, and say, look, here it is. Just 15 minutes. Have that on. We need you to keep your hands off yourself. My point is this. This person who cannot control himself has weird sex stuff going on. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He seriously probably shouldn't be allowed around any children. I mean, it's disturbing. I definitely don't want to know what's going on at the moment that Hunter Biden says, whoa, 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 no cameras on if we're going to be doing this. I don't want to know what they're doing if that's the case because the guy makes sure the camera's on for absolutely everything that he does. It's a really strange thing. And the way that he narcissistically looks at it, I mean, what did this guy do before there were cell phone cameras? Would he have a camera crew follow him around everywhere? Make sure to document everything? Maybe a sketch artist? Are there disturbing pornographic sketches laying all around the Hunter Biden house? Does he paint this stuff? What kind of weird paintings do you think this guy has made? Besides the ones that we have already seen. And his dad is complicitness. His dad funds it. His dad raised him for crying out loud. I mean, look at some of the pictures of him and his dad. (laughs) These two do not need to be allowed around children. And the reaction by people on social media, the left mostly, yeah, okay, he wasn't elected to office, so what's it matter? Or what about Jared and Ivanka? I've never seen Jared slide down a giant slide naked, get out, walk around, start pulling his tube in while smoking crack with a Russian hooker. I'm not a big fan of Jared, okay, but I've never seen him do that. Right, Ivanka, never seen her do that either. To act like this is meaningless shows the powers that be just how controlled these people are by their divisive tribal politics. I mean, this is literally some of the worst stuff you're going to see. And there are people who are so controlled by this tribalistic nonsense that they do not care. They excuse it. They block it out. They point the blame to jared and ivanka whatever nobody's defending them right now but you're you think it's okay you really think this is fine and that's concerning it really is so there's a scene in this movie i'm not going to say what it is for spoiler purposes but one character who's a prominent figure public figure murders in front of all of his fans somebody who they don't like and at first everyone is shocked They were cheering. Then all of a sudden they get quiet and they look at the person who was just murdered. Then they all turn and look at the celebrity, if you will, whom they admire, who just murdered them. Then one person cheers. And then they all start cheering. And then all of a sudden they're all celebrating that this murder happened. And in that moment they all became savages. But they didn't become as much of a savage as a person whom they admire, whom they just showed, can do no wrong in their eyes, can do as that person pleases. The abuse is allowed now as permission to abuse, meaning the vulnerable will be abused more if the public does not care that it's happening. I don't know why they're showing us this Hunter Biden stuff. And I don't know what is real and what's not with the 4chan stuff. There's definitely some stuff on there that seem to not be real. But the videos definitely seem to be Hunter Biden. Could they be deep fakes? Sure, I guess. But no one has claimed that. Not anyway yet. And they're consistent with Hunter's previous work. Are they just burying it? I don't know. I don't know that they will ever be able to bury it. Because there seems to be endless amounts of material here. It's like Hunter Biden is... Saddam Hussein's sons who they just were able to get away with and do absolutely anything. I mean, there's no telling what else he has done. So yes, I guess this could be an attempt to flood it out there, throw some obvious disinformation in there to attempt to discredit the whole batch. But I think they already kind of tried this, didn't they? And I think there's probably so much out there that I don't know that that's going to continue to work for an extended period of time, although it kind of did work anyway, for a portion of the population. And it's still working for some people, although I don't know if it's working or if they're just turning a blind eye. They could also be trying to entrap people who download the images and stuff onto their hard drive. Not something I would recommend. All of those could be possible, but I think there could be something else going on here. And some of the reporting that I've seen on this is why I'm starting to believe this. Here's an example of, I guess it's not really reporting, but it is a tweet from a CNN journalist who usually falls in line with the mainstream narrative. Her name is Mary Catherine Ham. She tweeted, "I'm starting to think the Hunter Biden stuff might not be Russian disinformation." Welcome to the party, Mary Catherine. Of course, it's not. Somebody replied to her by saying, "Even if it isn't, who cares?" Mary Catherine then replied to that by saying it matters that a bunch of intel experts and media lied and said it was in order to censor a major news story. Yes, of course that matters. Duh, people have been saying that for years now. Why is she saying this? This is not something that you normally would hear somebody who is a CNN journalist say because this undermines what appears to be the narrative that is pro-Joe Biden. Is she waking up? Is she risking her job and her position with a tweet like that? I don't know that she is. I think she might be doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing here. Here's what I think could be going on. I think perhaps the media is going to frame itself as the hero of this story who uncovers the corruption with Hunter Biden and all the other stuff while also perhaps exposing Joe Biden's role in all of it. And they will then ultimately be responsible for ousting Joe Biden after the midterm elections. I think that's probably a timetable. Maybe I'm off on that. But either way, I think they will frame themselves as a hero in order to rebuild their trust, just like the Davos panel discussed must be done in order to bring the Great Reset forth, just like the CNN new head guy has been talking about, and CNN has been pretending to do, like acting like they're pushing back on things that they're not really pushing back on. Brian Stelter's still there, as you see, even though there were rumors of him maybe, maybe going to lose his job. He hasn't lost his job. But they are right now in an ongoing effort to try and appear more trustworthy. And what better way to do that than to make it look like you are the one who exposes the Hunter Biden corruption, the Joe Biden corruption, and perhaps leads to Joe getting removed from office or voluntarily removing himself from office either way. I think that could be the play here for what's going on. If they are going to have Joe Biden go, then the best outcome for the media would be for it to look like they are the ones who were responsible and clean things up. And welcome. You can trust us again. I got a feeling that's going on here. Stay tuned. This is getting interesting. Thank you guys for listening. That was my great reset angle on what could be going on. With the Hunter Biden stuff, you guys can find your drive time news blast most afternoons at propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that's going to be dropping later this evening, the XR exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash report and subscribe there today. Have a fantastic rest of your day.